0: Hi, hello, welcome to another episode of Isaiah's Newsstand. It's your host, Isaiah Edwards. The date is December the 30th, 2023. Hopefully this episode finds you well in good spirits and high hopes. As for me, I'm doing pretty good. We've just been chilling today, just relaxing. Uh, let's see, food corner yesterday. I had chili dogs and chili cheese fries and a burger. With bacon, it was very yummy. Uh, let's see here. There's really nothing else to report on the personal stuff. Like I said, I'm just I'm just cooling. We're just hanging out. It's nice. <laughs> uh, I'm eating a lot of junk food, which is probably very bad for me. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I ate a nerd's rope, so there's a added food corner thing for you. Um, it was good, but you know. Anyway, let me go ahead and do my startup, and then we'll get into some news. <laughs> From the Associated Press, airstrikes hit hit camps in central Gaza as Biden administration approves new weapon sales to Israel. Israeli warplanes struck two urban refugee camps in central Gaza on Saturday as the Biden administration approved a new emergency weapon sale to Israel despite persistent international ceasefire calls over mounting civilian deaths, hunger, and mass displacement in the enclave. Um, let me see here. What else did I really wanted to add from this? Um, the health ministry in Gaza said Saturday that the Palestinian death toll since the start of the war rose to 21,672 with a further 56,165 people wounded during the same period. Over the past 24 hours, 165 people were killed, said ministry spokesman Ash, Ashraf al, al-Quidra. The ministry does not distinguish between the deaths of combatants and civilians, but it said about 70% of those killed have been women and children. Some of the latest deaths reported uh, were, were reported as Israeli airstrikes targeted the urban refugee camps of Nusrat and Barij, bridge uh overnight and into saturday sorry for my pronunciation um Nerat resident mustafa abu wawi said a strike hit his home uh hit the home of one of his relatives killing two people the israeli occupation is doing everything to force people to leave he said over the phone while searching along with others uh with others for four people missing under the rubble they want to break our spirit but they will fail we are here to stay a second strike late friday in nusrat targeted the home of a journalist for al-quds tv a channel linked to the group islamic jihad whose militants also participated in the october 7th attack the channel said the journalist jabu abu hadros and six members of his family were killed Um, And then I I wanted to get to the second part of this article, which is um, talking about more or less how Biden is so, so eager to give Israel the weapons and the, the funding, the things that it needs, that he is sidestepping, juking Congress itself to make it happen. Uh, The State Department said Friday that Secretary of State Anthony Blinken told Congress he approved a $147.5 million sale for equipment, including fuses, charges, and primers that is needed for the 155 millimeter shells Israel bought previously. It marked the second time this month that the Biden administration is bypassing Congress to approve an emergency weapon sale to Israel. The department cited the urgency for israel's defense needs as the reason for approval sure sure joe of course they they really needed it because it's it's going so hard for them um i will say though what i think I've, I've from what i've heard so far i think 106 israeli soldiers have died so you know that that's you know 100 fucking six idf members who aren't coming home to their families i feel like that's something that As this goes on, because, you know, from Israel's side, they're saying we don't want to stop. We're not going to stop. This is going to go on for at least some months. They've been talking phases and things like that, but no signs of stopping. Um, And then from, you know, Hamas's side, they're saying, hey, we want a ceasefire, a complete ceasefire, no more temporary stuff. We are willing to negotiate and trade for hostages. But this is a baseline that we're not giving up. We're not compromising. So, I mean, that's more or less where we're leaving it as we close out the year. Um, I mean, I know that as much as it's referenced on this podcast and every news thing I, I kind of wind up reading and stuff, like, October 7th was a big day. It was a big moment. But that's not where this started. And, um, you know, where we go from here is just a continuation. And it's it's sad because this is just something that doesn't have to happen, this whole pushing of people more or less out like at i think at this point it's been calculated that one percent and that's just from this instance from you know october 7th to you know right now one percent of you know god's population just wiped out you know what i mean like um you know i've said this before i'll say it again it is hard for me to not view this as some kind of collective punishment um, a genocidal cleansing or, you know, genocide or ethnic cleansing, you know, it's hard for me not to view it as such. And, um, you know, that's why it's like something that I think about often and I don't want to look away from. And, um, you know, when it, you know, stories come up, I want to cover them as best I can, best of my ability. So I know going into 2024, we're going to keep doing that just like we have been doing with Ukraine and just like we've been doing before. I mean, we've been covering this shit as, you know, I've been seeing stories, and I've been learning and growing, and, you know, I really do hope that we see positive change, you know, in the future, Um, and I will say the good thing is to see people talk about it, is to see people out on the streets about it, protesting, saying, like, yo, like, I'm I'm so sick of, of having to know that my government is just supporting this shit it is it is good to see people speaking up speaking out about it on the internet and the streets um and i really hope that that continues to happen i know people are going to keep talking about palestine and um it's still fucking free palestine baby um all right uh let's go ahead and move on to the next bit let's take it from the guardian tremendously unfair latin america's strictest junk food law divides shoppers in bogota Instead of eating a bag of chips or Cheetos, I'll go to the fruit section of the supermarket, says Liliana Kano, a 43-year-old shopper at a supermarket in Bogota. But sometimes I still have a soft drink as a little treat. Colombia has become one of the first countries in the world to tax ultra-processed foods earlier this year. The ambitious new health measures aimed at reducing the burden of non-communicable diseases such as cancer and diabetes also include warnings carried on foods high in sugar salt and other additives um let's see like many low and middle income countries Colombia is seeing an increase in the burden of non-communicable non-communicable diseases which account for an estimated 70 percent 76 percent of all deaths in the country On average, Colombians consume 12 grams of salt a day, the most of any country in Latin America. Nearly a third of adults have high blood pressure. Um, The additional tax of 10%, which is planned to increase to 20% by 2025, is levied against unhealthy snacks, soft drinks, as well as some staples such as processed meats uh let's see here a month after introduction of the measures shoppers in bogota are beginning to feel the impact Uh, um so yeah i mean i really just just kind of saw this pop on my news feed and i was like okay this is a very interesting thing i will say i don't like the the taxing part i feel like that is something that is kind of taxing more or less poor people Um, because if you're in a situation where you really can't afford to buy better foods when you go to the store, like, let's say, yeah, I would love to make this nice meal for myself and my family, but like buying all the ingredients and, you know, especially maybe for like three to four people or what have you, like we just literally can't afford it. When meanwhile, I can sustain my family with these chips, these drinks, and everyone's going to be happy and I can afford it. It's not going to literally break my bank. So... I think taxing these products with um, potentially not making it like readily accessible, um, you know, for the kind of produce and things you need for healthier options, that's potentially a very dangerous um, situation that you're putting your people in. So, you know, there's that. But I do like the idea of labeling, letting people know, like saying, hey, this is all the stuff that is in this product. I think that is a very good thing. I think that's a very health conscious, health progressive, health forward thing, because you should know, hey, this is all the stuff you're putting in your body. And maybe that's icky, but you know, it's it's been here the whole time. Um, So yeah, I mean, it's interesting to see people's perspectives. I know I'm kind of just in a riff mode here. Um, But yeah, I mean, I I do think that um, the heart of this is in the right place. I just worry about the whole taxing situation once again without potentially balancing it you're just kind of saying hey we're gonna price you out of your cheetos but it's like if i can't afford once again you know all the fruits i need you know for a sustainable period and all the other kind of things i need like what am i gonna do you're you're, you're putting me in a bad spot here um so yeah i I think it's just definitely got to be a balance and you know i don't know if i see any more about this stuff then i'll definitely um pipe up and chime in, uh, and I'm very curious about it, too, because, you know, I'm thinking about it just as a fucking fat-ass American, like, that's a lot of what I eat, like, down to the beer I drink, that's, like, probably getting fucking taxed, so I'm I'm definitely saying, hey, I'm biased here, you know, in my, in my outlook, but um, once again, I do think it's good that, you know, you're trying to be more health conscious, though I do think maybe this is, like, maybe health insurance saying, hey, let's, like, fucking... Slow up on these fatties. Can we like reduce these numbers? Cause we don't want to be keep paying off for all these diabetes stuff and all this fucking cancer stuff. Please come on, cut out the fucking twinkies. I don't know. That's let me take my conspiratorial hat off. Eek, eek, eek. Okay. Alright, let's move on to the next beep. Talking lawsuits. From the Associated Press. Woman sues dentist after four root canals, eight dental crowns, and twenty fillings in a single visit. I gotta say, just, th- that sounds like such a brutal fucking session, uh, just from reading the headline before we get into it, and yes, spoiler, it is brutal, um, some would say maybe too brutal, some might say criminally brutal, but yeah, let's, let's, uh, let's get into it, a Minnesota woman has sued her dentist after receiving four root canals, eight dental crowns, and 20 fillings, and a single visit that she says led to her disfigurement excuse me kathleen wilson filed filed a lawsuit last week in hennington county district court accusing dr kevin Moldrum of Moldrum family dentistry in eden prairie minnesota of providing negligent treatment in july of 2020 that caused significant injuries to wilson along with Providing an unsafe doses of anesthesia and falsifying medical records to cover it up, the Star Tribune reported. Mulderman his attorney, Nathaniel Weimer, did not immediately respond to requests for comment from the Associated Press on Thursday. According to the Star Tribune, Wilson's legal team retained doctor Arvram Goldstein, a dentist from a dentist in Florida, to provide an expert opinion and review Wilson's medical records from Moldrum and subsequent providers. Goldstein's November, se- November 14th report sorry, uh, identified various duty of care breaches. Uh, Goldstein said in a report that Moldrum made the right diagnosis, but he provided poor quality treatment. Wilson had decay on virtually every tooth in her mouth, Something that is quite rare, Goldstein wrote. Moltzstrom's attempt to re- restore all Wilson's teeth in one visit did nothing to address her sub- sub- uh, subsessibil- i cannot pronounce this word—susceptibility to disease or the potential of losing teeth. He said, "Katie s- required a slow, thoughtful, careful, and measured response to her disease, trying to fill every hole in her." Every hole in every tooth in her mouth in one visit is not the antithesis of what was indicated. It is not humanely possible to achieve in an effective or constructive manner. Um, Goldstein added that it is inconceivable to address 28 teeth in five and a half hours. Uh, Another thing that is added that the maximum dosage of anesthesia is 490 milligrams but Muldram administered 960 milligrams to Wilson. So that's not good. Then let's talk about the records. Uh, Moldrum said he administered eight tubes of dental anesthetic, known as car- carpools but Goldstein found the first doses alone was eight carpels, and he administered 15 carpels throughout the visit. So he was fucking up on a lot of fucking levels here. Um... I can understand the idea of saying, hey, I want to provide you with like quick, efficient care. You have a massive problem. We, we, we see this, we address it, and we can knock this out in one go. Um, but if that's not a physical like, possibility for the human body and for yourself, then like, even if it is more money in the long run, even if it is quote-unquote maybe less effective, it's more effective for the overall health of the of the client of the patient. So that seems like that probably should have been the way. Obviously, I'm not a fucking dentist, but I, you know, I'm gonna trust Goldstein on this one. Um. So yeah, I mean, it's very unfortunate uh, for Wilson, you know, to know that like she had to go through all of that trauma. Potentially, um, the amount of post care she's going to have to do just to fix that stuff because it's gonna be her whole mouth it's going to undo the work that was already done. And it's going to be even more money. Like, you know, I, and and I'm sure my listeners have had a tooth problem, you know, post childhood, um, that has, that has haunt them, you know, either financially or physically. Um, Lord knows I have my little fucking fake front tooth situation or at least plastic cap. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's an expensive ass fix. That's one tooth. So I can't imagine my whole grill is fucking busted and then we go through this like heroic feat and it turns out we never had to go through it this way. We should have gone through it a whole other way. And now I'm going to have to go through more pain, more financial torment and torture. Oh, hiya. but, um, beyond medical cost, Wilson said she suffered pain, embarrassment, disfigurement, and distress. She's asking for at least uh, $50,000 in damages. So if I hear any more uh, about this, I will keep you posted. Um, We have one more thing to cover. It's a bit of a, you know, a little bit gossipy stuff, a little bit of side news, maybe you might say, a little pop shit, if you will. But, um, you know, I'm going to treat myself. It's the end of the year. You know, why not? Um, Let me go ahead while I'm speaking of treating myself. Let me take my break. Oh, oh yeah! (coughs) All right, oh all all right, man. All right. From page (coughs) excuse me, (laughs) from page six. Kevin Hart sues. Controversial YouTuber Tasha K for extortion. Kevin Hart is suing controversial YouTuber Latasha Kibi, known as Tasha K, for extortion after she allegedly threatened to release a bombshell interview with his former assistant unless he paid her a six-figure ransom. According to the lawsuit obtained by Page 6 Wednesday, Kibi sat down with the actor's former assistant Misha shakes in November of 2023 to record an interview in which the latter made false and defamatory statements regarding Hart. The comedian, 44, claims that after the interview, an alleged affiliate of Kibi said or called his team and threatened to publish the interview unless Hart paid a ransom of $250,000. At the time, they allegedly warned Hart that the stories told, which had to do with his marriage and business dealings, would be damaging to his reputation. Kibi then posted a teaser for the interview in which she and Shakes allegedly touted the supposedly salacious and damaging nature of the interview as a threat to Hart for not paying the ransom. The teaser included a statement from Kibi at 2:06 mark. At the 206 mark of the video specifically warning that when you don't pay, we have to get the money by any means necessary, the lawsuit claims. At that point, the Jumanji Stars team allegedly contacted the police and sent the YouTuber a cease and desist letter noting that Shakes had previously signed a non-disclosure agreement or NDA as well as a confidential, confidentiality agreement while working for Hart from 2017 to 2020. Um, AKA, she should not be chirping about this. She should not be able to talk about this. It's like, hey, this is not something you're allowed to be uh, doing for like any kind of profit or motive, things like that. Um, that being said, man, I don't know. NDAs are kind of funky to me. Obviously, I'm just a random poor Midwestern guy. I don't. I'm never going to get myself in one of those kind of fucking situations. But um, that always seems like something that's like, man, I wonder how that really holds up in court. I really never looked that up. Maybe maybe I should. Um, but anyway, yet on December of 2022, or uh, blah, 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 rewind, yet on December 22nd, Kibi allegedly told Hart that she would be posting the full interview, which went live that evening on her subscription-based website uh in the interview shakes touched touches shakes touched on several legal disputes in which he had been involved and alleged that the father of four has a gambling addiction and is a habitual cheater Uh, the actor is now suing both women for extortion and invasion of privacy he is also suing shakes for breach of contract and defamation Meanwhile, he is also trying to get Kibi for intentional interference for with contractual relations. Um, so yeah, um she then I think went on to post the interview on Instagram, Tasha K. But um I wanted to reference what Kevin Hart referenced because this was the first. This isn't the first time I've heard of Tasha Kay. I actually didn't talk about another pop story that was kind of going on throughout the year um, with Cardi B. So um, Hart's lawyer started, cited the unwind with Tasha Kay's host long history with defamatory and otherwise improper content regarding celebrities and other high-profile individuals, including Cardi B. For instance, most recently, she was found liable for, damaging, for damages exceeding $3 million in a defamation lawsuit by the musician Cardi B, the lawsuit wrote, pointing the, to the rapper's January 2022 win against the YouTuber. Uh, the Bodak Yellow rapper, had sued KB in 2019 after the latter posted videos claiming the Grammy winner had prostituted herself, was addicted to hard drugs, was unfaithful to her husband Offset, had contracted herpes, and even once fucked herself with beer bottles. So she was like saying just like the wildest shit. And it, it's just one of those things where it's like, hey, I get it. You're a gossip, you know, content creator. This is your lane. You know, you're going to talk about things you've heard and and you got to speak on that. But to take the things that she said to the level that she did and then to like double down so many times, it's like, yeah, man, like this feels like, you know, fucking slander or, you know, yeah, it's slander, right? Because libel's the written one. I think so. Ding, ding, ding. But um, yeah, man, it was a whole mess of a trial. She fi- gets found guilty of it. And then she's like, oh, I'm going to say, I'm going to claim bankruptcy. You know, same thing, you know, our guy Rudy Giuliani did. And um, they're like, okay, cool, but you still have to pay. And then she was, like, saying, oh, I'm going and hiding. She was, like, saying she was in this place and that place. It was a whole fucking thing. And I'm over here just, like, seeing this shit. Like, this shit is crazy. And I wanted to cover it, but it just didn't feel, you know, on par with what I normally usually cover. But now that this is the second time, because, like, there was a... A moment where, you know, because they've they've constantly kind of talked to Cardi B throughout this whole process, and she's even gotten to the point where she's like, "Look, you know, I get it. Like, you know, I'm, we're taking a lot of money out of this person's pocket. It it is a lot. I really just want her to understand that what she said and did was just damaging to me, and like apologize." And, like, more or less, Kasha Kay kind of, like, came out and said, like, okay, I'm sorry. I feel really bad about this at the end of the day. Yada, yada, yada. But it's, like, then she goes and does this. And now, like, Cardi B's like, yeah, fuck the shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I hope that um, justice is served. I'll say that. I hope that all parties get the money that is entitled to them, especially in regards of Cardi B. And, uh, yeah, we'll leave it at that for the day. Um... Let's see here. If you'd like to help out, support the effort, I do have a Patreon. Patreon.com slash Isaiah News. I shout you out at the top of the month. I plug your name, plug a project if you'd like. And then free ways to hit me up, IsaiahNews1 at gmail.com. Feel free to follow me or the podcast on any of the socials you're on. And then hopefully you're subscribed to the YouTube Hopefully, you're hitting the thumbs up button. Hopefully, you're hitting the bell to keep posting on the episodes. And if you're not doing that on YouTube, hopefully, you're doing it on Spotify, Apple for podcasting or whatever it's called, whatever listening thing you're on right now. Um, Do me that solid. I'd love that. And hopefully, i see you soon for some more good news. I love you. Bye-bye. Mwah.